It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Transition offensively. Morgan Riley back. McDavid beat him. Rich shot score. Beautiful move. Connor McDavid danced around Morgan Riley. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. On the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Leave up the right-hand side for Cave. He'll drive to next score. There you go, right on cue. Colby Cave down the right-hand side, dragged across the blue paint and tucked it inside the far post. A guy we weren't even expecting to play today. Man, that was one of the nicest goals scored by an Edmonton Oiler this season, and we are hoping for the best for Colby Cave. That was a goal he got. Back on November 2nd, an Oilers road victory in overtime against the Pittsburgh Penguins. He scored in the second period. You've probably seen the news by now. Colby Cave, the 25-year-old from Battleford, Saskatchewan, is in a medically induced coma in Sunnybrook Hospital in Toronto. He did have surgery to have a colloid cyst removed from his brain. Look, this is inside sports. It's not a medical show. You can give that a, a quick Google and and read a lot about that type of assist, and, and, and you'll see some stories have a happy outcome. Some do not. So we just have to wait and see and hope that it is a positive outcome ultimately for Kobe Cave. This all started when he had a brain bleed overnight, and he was taken to hospital, eventually leading to the emergency surgery. So that wrapped up a few hours ago, and as I said, he is in a medically induced coma. Kobe Cave joined the Oilers in January of 2019 he was claimed off waivers from the uh, Boston Bruins Um, you know a player who was uh, up and down from the Oilers Bakersfield Condors back and forth over the last uh, about 15-16 months got uh, you know you interview players you don't really get to know them a lot as people but you get to know them professionally and you see little slices of their personality Colby was always super professional very uh, very upbeat whether he was going down or on his way back up and as soon as I saw the news today, I immediately remembered the interview I did with him. It was on February 21st, uh, game day of an Oilers game against the Minnesota Wild. He was uh, he was up from the farm for a stint then, and he had Tyler Benson was up at that time. Jones and Bear, obviously on the blue line, had been Bakersfield teammates of Cave and were playing on the Oilers, and Kyler Yamamoto was up and, and getting a point a game. And I'll always remember Colby Cave said this about seeing his Condors teammates be successful with the Oilers. You know, I think that's a credit to the guys down in Bakersfield. You know, Woody, Mance, JF, Sly, all the guys down there, they're doing a really good job. And, um, you know, guys come up here with confidence. And um, that's also a credit to the coaching staff here that they put guys in situations that, uh, you know, they're, they're going to thrive and they're going to succeed. And, um, you know, they, there's some incredible talents in this dressing room, whether that's, you know, guys like Dave Ondrat or, you know, guys coming up like 
Benny, Jonesy, you know, these guys are really, really stepping into the lineup and doing a good job. So, um, you know, it's really good to see. Obviously, depth is a big thing, especially, you know, during the grind of the season, like right now, and some injury trouble happens. And, uh, you know, I think the next man up mentality has been, uh, been really good in this dressing room. Yeah, a little bit there from Colby Cave. That was back on February 21st. My name is Reed Wilkins. Welcome to Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Ched, we brought you the uh, special uh, delivery to Albertans from Premier Jason Kenney in the, uh, from 6 to 7 tonight along with the Global News Hour at 6. For the time being, you will hear Global News Hour at 6 from 6 to 7, and then I'll be with you on Inside Sports from 7 to 8. And Kelly Rudy will still join us once a week as he checks in right now. Kelly, thanks for coming on the show. And, uh, man, that was uh, – I mean, the Oilers send out a uh, kind of a group text thing to notify the media of announcements or player v- availabilities, and we've been getting a lot of them lately because they have had players and Ken Holland and Dave Tippett doing conference calls or have had a couple guys on my show. And when you see the message start, Edmonton Oilers, Colby Cave, I thought, okay, he's the next guy who's going to talk. And then I was reading the rest of the message, and I was just like, what is is going on? Uh, I, I mean, horrible news, and, and you just hope it, it turns out okay. Yeah, uh, Reed, when I heard the news this morning, I was actually driving uh, around just to clear my brain a little bit, and uh, I had to pull over and immediately thought of uh, Colby, and the first time I saw him play was not this past training camp, but the previous training camp when he is still a member of the Boston Bruins, and we were in China. Bruins in the Flames uh, for two preseason games, and that was my first-hand look at him live, and I was really impressed with uh, what I saw, the energy that he brought to the game, and, and so on. So I'm going to just I'm going to send out positivity and uh, uh, strong thoughts for he and his family. And I, I, when I heard of this, I immediately thought of my good friend, Tony Granado. And t- Tony went through something uh, very, very scary also back in 95, 96, in which he was injured on what looked to be a harmless play, banged his head against the boards, got tied up with the defenseman Jeff Brown from Hartford. Uh, we flew home and he started to have headaches very severe headache started to lose his memory um luckily his family rushed him in fact i think rob blake was one of the guys that went with his wife linda as well and had taken tony into the hospital he had emergency surgery found out that he had uh, uh, bleeding on the brain uh, a blood clot something very similar it sounds of course i'm not a doctor not trying to minimize what uh, colby's going through and you look today and tony's doing really well so that's that's how i'm going to approach this i hope that he's that colby's going to be okay yeah same here and uh, you know I, I mentioned for Battleford saskatchewan played in the western hockey league um they you know he had a he had a memory as well in that interview i did with him he, he just briefly crossed over with yamamoto i think he played one or two games against them so he, so he had some interesting comments there about even seeing a young kyler yamamoto and thinking how, how good he was going to be but but players like colby cave they they occupy an interesting place in in the hockey world kelly i, I mean everybody you can, I mean, go on Hockey DB, or if you still have a paper copy of, of the guide and record book, and I have a couple in a closet somewhere, you know, pick a, pick a team any year, and you'll see all the leading scores, and then you'll see guys, you know, 35 games played, 14 games played, five games played, or, or, or whatever. And you realize those were the guys, they, they got called up. They might have been scratched sometimes when they did called up, but they had to find a way to fit in. And in the minors, they might have been on the first or second line, 
and then they got to come up to the NHL and, and do something totally different and still figure out a way to make, make an impact. And to me, Cave's that type of player. And it's the attitude, right? You talked about uh, the interview and uh, all the good things he had to say about uh, his teammates uh, in Bakersfield and the good work uh, that they're putting in and the coaching staff and so on, giving the guys a chance uh, to get a call up. And, you know, because it's a very difficult job, as you mentioned. Uh, he's 25 years old. Um, he's played uh, 67 NHL games. And, and I was thinking of this as well. I, I was unsure actually how many games Cave had played so I hockey deep beat him as well uh, and I, I was looking at 67 games I think you know this really fall he falls into a group that really it's the majority now the number is a little bit higher than most but I heard this stat a number of years ago Reed 49% of all the players that have ever played in the National Hockey League so over 100 years they play 50 or fewer games. So he's just over that threshold. But that tells you how difficult it is to get there and to stay. And and I, oftentimes, you know, I'd see a guy get called up and I'd, I'd like his game. And for some reason, he just couldn't quite last. And, and you feel for the guy. And, you know, it's nobody's goal to play in the minors. Everybody's goal is to play in the National Hockey League. And so... Uh, I've always had uh, great empathy for people in those roles. And, you know, when they're called up, they're never playing with the best guys and they've got to try and fit in and be a good teammate and, and never complain and low maintenance. So guys like Colby and others in that role, they've always had the utmost respect for me. Well, and, and you would have played with a, with a lot of guys. I mean, oh, Islanders, Kings, Sharks. I, I mean, when you joined the Islanders, they, they were still – uh, an elite organization. I mean, it must have been, and and then when you're with the Kings, I mean, it must have been something for those call-ups to all of a sudden maybe you're uh, next to Brian Trotje in a stall or staring across the uh, locker room at uh, Wayne Gretzky or Dennis Potvin or, 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 or guys like that, and they got to, um, like, you know, they, they got to be themselves, but they I imagine they probably have to be pretty differential as well. Yeah, and, you know, I'm thinking of like guys like when you mentioned about L.A., I'm thinking of guys like uh, Dan Bilesma. He was uh, a guy that's a uh, really good minor leaguer, not quite good enough to really have a, a long NHL career. And he and his dad wrote a couple books about that experience and I thought really well uh, told about the difficulties of getting there and staying. And uh, I think of a guy, a really good friend of mine, I still stay in contact uh, with from Rossburn, Saskatchewan. He played for the uh, Saskatoon Blades uh, by the name of Roger Cortco. And uh, here's a guy, I believe he played around 80 games, maybe a little bit more. Um, and so, you know, it, it doesn't matter your skill level um, in terms of lasting friendships, right? You know, uh, I'm happy to say I've got a lot of good friends that are uh, were superstars, but I've got a ton of friends that uh, didn't have a long career. Gary Shucha comes to mind, a guy from Edmonton that I, I absolutely adored uh, playing with him. I happened to be our oldest daughter, Jessica, her favorite player. And so you get all these great friendships, and uh, that role should never be uh, minimized and or uh, spoken about in a dismissive way. 
Yeah, very well said. Kelly Rudy joining us tonight on Inside Sports. It's 7.16. By the way, we're going to check in with Haley Wickenheiser between 7.30 and 8 tonight. You'll also hear some comments from Oilers General Manager Ken Holland, who held a conference call with uh, various members of uh, the, the media today. Uh, you know, the, the high-end players in the, uh, in the National Hockey League, uh, the Oilers have, have uh, had some talented guys. They have McDavid right now. And uh, obviously they had Wayne Gretzky for the first portion of his career. And uh, I was watching some video a few days ago, and I, and I know you watched some too. Those two guys sat down. I believe they taped at All-Star Weekend in, in St. Louis. And, uh, you know, it, we were talking about it, it might be a unique experience for guys coming up and down from the minors. When you're the guy and you have talent that is pretty much unparalleled, there are probably only certain people you can sit with and, and talk about your experience that really understand it. And I imagine Gretzky and McDavid have that connection. I love that interview. I'm glad you brought it up because I was watching last night and having a nice glass of red wine, going through some hockey videos. And I came upon that interview and, and I just loved how casual it was and how comfortable both guys were uh, around each other. But the thing that struck me the most, Reed, was when I kept looking at Connor McDavid and his eyes just told you all the respect that he has for Wayne. You know, his eyes, you were, he was fixated on Wayne. And, you know, they, I th- I've always said this about the eyes, you know, and they tell a big story about what we're thinking and the respect that he has for Wayne and he was really listening to everything Wayne was saying. And, and then, of course, we all know how gracious Wayne is telling uh, Connor he's going to get a Stanley Cup because he's just too good. And, and then the very first comment, I think, something about uh, the interviewer asked him, something about uh, um, going out with uh, McDavid in Edmonton. And Wayne was saying something, Wayne of all guys, by the way, saying, you can't. He can't go anywhere. Everybody recognizes him. <laughs> what is Wayne talking about? He can't go anywhere. <laughs> but that's just his uh, his way of uh, communicating, trying to uh, you know deflect all the uh, attention that he gets. I thought it was a really great interview. Well, and, and I want to ask you too. And, and Rob Brown was on with me last night, and he talked about having Mario as a teammate. Yeah, and. And he said, you know, Mario was was pretty quiet, but but he got to know Mario a little bit, and he went to his house on on Christmas Eve. But Mario never really really said a lot, and that's that's a unique situation. And you would have seen that with Gretzky. I mean, he it wasn't like he just went to L.A. as another player. It's like, okay, you're already the best player, plus you're going to a team that's never really been good, and <laughs> it's it's kind of on you to, to turn it around. And your people are going to want to interview you when the team's doing well. You're going to have to stand in there and face it when the team's doing bad. You know, you're going to be the guy stopped for all the autographs when it's good going to the team bus. I mean, what, did you did you have a chance to get to know Wayne the person with all that, or did he kind of have to operate in a bit of a bubble? Oh boy, let me think about that. Um, I think he handled it internally. I don't think he really shared much with us. Um, although all that attention, I don't think. Wayne was overwhelmed with it simply because of the childhood that he had. And, you know, everybody knows the story. He had to move away uh, from home at a young age because all the attention he is getting. And uh, I think some of the, uh, I don't know, um, jealousy that people would have been uh, uh, throwing his family's way and so on. So 
I think Wayne just had so many years of the experience that it didn't really, not that I saw anyways, it didn't really weigh him down too much, or I don't think that that responsibility of turning around a, a franchise that had never really had any success whatsoever, I don't think it was too daunting. And to that point, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Edmonton could have traded him to Vancouver uh, as well, or a couple other teams, and Wayne uh, chose to go to L.A., and, and I think not only because of the lifestyle change, but with Janet and so on. So he uh, is so great at uh, accepting the responsibility and has for all those years, and I've never heard him complain once about it, never once. Yeah, for sure. Well, Kelly, thanks for checking in tonight. Uh, I really appreciate your perspective, and of course, we're hoping for the best for Colby Cave. Yeah. We'll do this again. Uh, we'll do this again next week, and hope you and your family continue to do well. You got it. Thanks, Reed. Take care. All right, that is Kelly Rudy tonight on Inside Sports. He, uh, former NHL goaltender, now a broadcaster with the NHL on Rogers, and he joins us once a week here on the show. Really appreciate that you're tuning in tonight. If you would like to reach out. You are welcome to do so. It is the same number to both call and text 780-496-0063. This portion of the show is presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. You'll hear a little bit from Ken Holland. Haley Wickenheiser is coming up as well. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. It is 25 minutes after 7. For the first time ever, I am broadcasting from home. I have now been sent into the ranks, like many of you, of uh, the people working from home. So I got a little setup here. In, uh, well, it's a spare bedroom. I call it my office because it's where I have my laptop. Uh, so I'm set up here uh, in my in my home. Kellen, Kellen, I miss you, buddy. I, I'm trying to imagine you, like I'm staring at a blank wall, but I'm trying to imagine it's that pane of glass that we uh, often look at each other through. So I miss you, buddy. <laughs> I miss you too, dude. I hope everything is well. I have, uh, I, I kind of put it so I don't have a lot of distractions. Off to my left, I have a uh, giant size hole punch. I don't. I'm not sure. Why, I, I put a picture of uh, my little desk on my Twitter account. I, I don't know why I needed one of these hole punches. At one point in my life, I must have been punching holes in like thousands of pages at a time. So I have that. <laughs> off to my off to my right, I have a uh, Star Wars figurine of a Tauntaun. Remember the animals they were riding on Hoth at the beginning of The Empire Strikes Back. I have that, and I have a framed picture of myself and Yuppie when I attended a Montreal Canadiens game. Uh, a couple games about 10 years ago, and you can go cool. get your picture picture with Yuppie. So 
That's that's my view. So I and I obviously have my laptop in front of me. So I'm staying focused. But I, but I miss you, Kellen. But this is how we're rolling right now, and that's okay. Ken Holland, general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, held a conference call today. You can get more details on the Oilers page on 630shed.com, globalnews.ca. He was asked about potentially bringing back Anton Slepeshev. I have had conversations with uh, his agent, Dan Milstein. Um, I did see, I did go over to Russia at Christmas time, just before the, there, was, there was a tournament, international tournament, uh, men's tournament, Russia, Czech, Swedes, and Finns. I saw him play a couple of games. Um, I met with him, uh, with, with uh, Anton and Dan Milstein. I, Archie Henderson, our director of pro scouting, was with me. Um, so yes, we uh, we would like to sign him. Uh, I have made an offer, and um, um, I, 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 t- I stay in touch with Dan uh, occasionally, waiting to to hear what uh, what what decision Anton has made. Okay, well that's interesting. Anton Slepeshev, we last saw as a member of the Edmonton Oilers a couple of years ago, and then he went back to Russia. And he's been playing for Moscow in uh, the KHL. Uh, Bigger guy. Not overly tall, but he's got one of those thick bodies. He shows pretty good flashes during his tenure as an Oilers, but never uh, as an Oiler, but never really became a regular in the lineup. He played 102 games, had 23 points in the Oilers playoff appearance in 2017. He scored three times in a dozen games. Haley Wickenheiser next on Inside Sports. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. for the best for Colby Cave who spent this past hockey season splitting time between the Edmonton Oilers and the Bakersfield Condors the 25 year old remains in a medically induced coma at Sunnybrook Hospital in Toronto he was taken there after suffering a a brain bleed overnight he has had a colloid cyst removed from his brain after emergency surgery so we uh, yeah that is really tough news Colby Cave uh, scored a nice goal, great goal, November 2nd against the Pittsburgh Penguins. His only one in 11 games with the Oilers this season, graduate of the Western Hockey League, and uh, we wish him the best. That was really shocking to see that earlier today. Now, of course, uh, the discussion continues in the world of sports about what is going to happen next. The NHL, really hard to say. I, I mean, look, we're, we, we know that already that things have been canceled or postponed into the summer and and things have either been called off like Wimbledon, like the British open, which were uh, June, July area events. You've had, uh, 
The Masters moved into November. The United States Open moved into the fall, into September as well. The, the CFL season now will not start until July at the earliest. That was the latest announcement from the Canadian Football League today. Training camps had already been postponed. They were supposed to start May 17th. And, and there, there are some uh, cities in Canada that have CFL teams that have banned uh, large gatherings, so you, you couldn't really have a sporting event legally, even if you wanted to. So uh, I, it looks like for the first time since 1985, the CFL will not play an 18-game season. 1985 was the last time they played a 16-game regular season. They went to 18 games in 1986. So that's the latest for the Canadian Football League. You won't have any games until – and when I'm saying July, that is obviously July at the earliest. Uh, I mean, the things are getting bumped around and planning is kind of happening on the go here. As for the, uh, the National Hockey League, there's been a lot of speculation about if – when and where games would be played if they were able to uh, resume the season. Certainly the NHL has been looking at June, July, maybe even August as options to try to finish the season, perhaps using neutral sites. There's been the stories out of the last couple days about uh, the rink at the University of North Dakota being used. Maybe a place like Saskatoon in Canada could house NHL games so you'd have teams playing almost tournament site neutral style games for the playoffs, uh, neutral site games for the playoffs. Here's what Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, said to NBC Sports Network today. From an NHL standpoint, and I'm sure this is what the other leagues are doing, uh, we're viewing all of our options. We want to be ready to go as soon as we get a green light. And the green light may not be crystal clear because there may still be some places in the country where you can't play and other places where you can Uh, We're looking at all options. Nothing's been ruled in. Nothing's been ruled out. And it's largely going to be determined what we do uh, by how much time there is, because we have next season to focus on as well, and, and the health of the country. And by the country, I mean both Canada and the U.S., obviously. There aren't a lot of answers yet. What we can do, and which we did when, when we took the pause, was we, we wanted to make sure that our, our people players in particular were healthy, uh, that we weren't part of spreading the virus, uh, and that our community has basically been uh, self-isolated. We've, we've only had seven players uh, who tested positive, five on one team, and that wasn't surprising. It was a team that had to fly cross-country and somebody was infected on the plane. Uh, there have been a number of tests, and, and uh, uh, they have been negative. But in the final analysis, we're all, as a family, as a league, doing what we have to do to keep our people healthy and not be part of the problem. All right, that's a little bit from Gary Bettman speaking earlier today on NBC Sports Network. Uh, It's eight players now for the NHL who have tested positive. The league announcing earlier today that the third player from the Colorado Avalanche has uh, the virus. He's in else. Uh, the league says the player is in self-isolation, has not had any close contact with teammates or staff members for the Avalanche. The five other players who tested positive, all from the Ottawa Senators. And uh, as you've heard on this station and in various news reports, the uh, play-by-play, um, or the, pardon me, the color analyst for the Ottawa Senators, Gord Wilson, uh, had to deal with coronavirus, though he is thankfully on the mend. Oilers general manager Ken Holland today, asked about the season being placed on pause and maybe a lost opportunity for the Oilers to grow and prove themselves. I think everybody was excited uh, 
to see what we could accomplish. We'd uh, played very, very, you know, we, 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 we got after a great start the first 10 games. And then we, we, we sort of treaded water for 30 games played, I think one game under 500. And then uh, from Christmas time, from the first of December 31st on, we played at a high, high level. And I think everybody was excited to, you know, once you get, if you can play your way into the playoffs, we had positioned ourselves up where we controlled our own fate. Um, believing that we, we believe that we were going to play our way into the playoffs. And then when you get into playoffs, uh, you never know when you, you when you look at the, the, the recent results in the Stanley cup playoffs, uh, you can throw the regular season stats out the, out the window and uh, it's wide open. So I think that's the disappointment of, uh, of um, not being able to uh, continue on, but certainly we all understand what, uh, what's going on in the world today. All right, a little bit there from Edmonton Oilers General Manager Ken Holland, and you can get more on his comments today, more on what he said about Anton Slepyshev, more what he said about Philip Broberg, the Oilers' first-round draft pick from June of 2019. Get that on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. I am pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports, one of the all-time greats in women's hockey and still finding some incredible ways to make a difference in the world. It's the one and only Haley Wickenheiser. Haley, you're on with Reed. It's nice to talk to you again. How are you doing? Good, Reed. How are you out there? I, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm broadcasting at home for the first time ever. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm in a small spare bedroom in my house. So it's, oh it's, it's, it's going okay. Let people know uh, where you are and how you've been dealing with everything going on. Yeah, well, I'm in Toronto. Uh, I've been out here since, uh, since January doing a lot of my rotations in med school. I'm in my last year of medical school. So um, I've been out here and uh, working on the front lines in the emergency rooms across the GTA for the last uh, about two and a half months until up to a couple of weeks ago where they, um, uh, you know, this all really hit full force and then they diverted our training to doing other things, um, uh, contact tracing and, you know, right now I'm doing a big sourcing uh, uh, PPE equipment for frontline workers, so it's been... Uh, it's been a it's been a crazy uh, wild uh, few weeks for everyone in Canada. That's for sure. Yeah, well, I, I'm glad we had you on because I want to talk about the PPE, which is personal protective equipment. And I guess Haley, when I hear that, the first thing I think of is a mask. Um, but can you kind of give us the the lowdown on on PPE, what that all might involve? Yeah, for sure. So uh, personal protective equipment um, and in the hospitals that, that usually comes down to gown, glove and mask. Um, so chemo gowns or uh, in Alberta, I think they use cloth gowns or in Ontario, they use sort of paper discardable gowns. Um, and then uh, gloves could be regular latex gloves or sterile gloves, depending on what you're doing, and then a mask. And there's a variety of different masks, the surgical masks and then the N95s, which are the the fancy ones that are used uh, uh, for more protection and, and procedures like intubation and uh, infectious disease and things like that. So, but on top of that, um, collecting items like baby monitors, which a lot of hospitals need to talk between uh, COVID patient rooms, uh, sanitizing wipes, which paramedics and police forces need to wipe down their vehicles and you know, interacting with the public. That's a big problem. Um, sanitizing gel, just items that, you know, generally can protect people from the virus, I guess, is, is what PPE is. Um, and the frontline workers, you know, even in grocery stores and places like that are, are needing these things. So there's a massive need. And we know that in Canada right now, we still are about five to eight days away from running out. Um, so I, I've been speaking with 
uh, the federal government and provincial governments here in Ontario through a group called uh, COVID Conquer 19. But I also know that in Alberta, there's a group called Helping Alberta that is trying to collect um, equipment across the province to distribute as well. So this is happening all across Canada. Tell us a little bit. I mean, now that you're you're in the medical field, and and I'm glad you kind of explained how this has has affected you and and your colleagues and your your instructors. Um, I mean, it's just. I mean, that's that's the heartbreaking thing to me, Haley. We hear some like people getting sick, and then the medical professionals getting sick from treating so many ill people. Yeah, so that's that's the problem is, you know, if the smartest people fighting this virus go down, then no one has a chance, right? So our people on the front lines, the nurses, the care workers, the doctors, the intensivists, these people are often, you know, a foot away from COVID-positive patients. Um, and when you're doing that patient after patient all day long and you're receiving a very high viral load, uh, the chance of infection you know, is far greater than just walking down the street that anyone else would experience. And so that's why, we, you know, we, we see it in New York where I think 15% of the police force and 10% of the healthcare system is, is positive. Um, and we don't want that to happen in Canada. And so we need to just have people protected so that, um, you know, we can keep our, our best, most uh, intelligent people out there helping save lives. And uh, I, I, was, I was personally involved in a few situations in my training where, you know, um, I wasn't directly allowed to treat COVID patients, but I watched a few intubations and um, saw how nervous the doctors I was working with uh, were about dealing with these people and how unprotected they felt and unsure they were. So it's, uh, it's new territory every day, every, every hour, this virus is changing and certainly change our lives well and this i mean for you this is quite an experience to have while you're going to to med school i mean i'm not trying to you know make light of it at all like that's i mean so you're going to med school and then all of a sudden this is happening as you're as as you're a student i mean what a way to witness how sick people are are dealt with and 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 the burden that this can place on on the health system yeah, you know, it, it, I never in my life thought, okay, I'll be in my last year of medicine and, uh, you know, in a pandemic and pandemic at the same time and not sure when I'm going to graduate from med school. I mean, it's the, it's the least of the world's problems. But, um, you know, that's not something I envisioned when I started a couple of years ago. And uh, definitely um, being in the ICU, being in the emergency rooms, working with the people right there who I, I know uh, and I'm talking to on a daily basis and I've seen with my own eyes, it really changes the way that you uh, you see this. It's become very personal. You know, I played hockey, uh, you know, 23 years on the national team. Those are my teammates that I would have died for. And I feel the same way about these people in the hospital. I see how much they care about trying to help save people's lives and how they put, you know, I give you an example. My, my dear friend, um, Dr. Jeff Shaw in Calgary, ICU intensivist. I go to school with his uh, wife, Marta, in medical school. He's got two young kids at home. He's working long days in the ICU and trying not to bring this virus home to his kids and his wife. And so it's just incredibly personal for me to uh, know these people and know what they're going through. And uh, I just want to try to help, you know, that we so we can get through this thing as fast as possible. And you've got some celebrity assistance along the way. Well, I mean, you're a sports celebrity. You've got a Hollywood celebrity uh, to, to pitch in here. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds getting involved with this, <laughs> and how you know him. 
Yeah, well, my tiny following is nothing compared to uh, Ryan's 35 million or whatever he's got on Instagram and Twitter. So, um, no, Ryan's a friend. He's, uh, you know, we met each other years ago at Canada's Walk of Fame, and we've stayed uh, in touch since then. We, uh, you know, seem to get along very well. We chit-chat about the same things, and um, I just think he's just, to me, he's just Ryan, and he's just a good Canadian boy from Vancouver, but to the world, he's this A-list star but i think to canadians um you know ryan is uh, an awesome advocate for so many things and in this situation when i tweeted out that i needed fifty thousand gloves and masks for um a group that that i knew he texted me right away and said i saw your post do you want me to amplify it and uh i said okay <laughs> and between 9 p.m and 9 a.m the next day we had 700 emails with people from around the world wanting to donate we're up over a few hundred thousand items right now with uh, with much more to go. And I've partnered with Ryan with a group called ConquerCOVID19.ca here in Toronto where we're going to try and get these items right out to the front lines in Ontario and Quebec where the outbreak is the worst. Um, but uh, as well in Alberta, as I said, helping Alberta. Some of my med student friends are starting one out there as well. So we're all in it together. And Ryan, with his star power, um, he, he said to me the other day, finally, social media is for some good use. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, we laugh about it. And, uh, today he sent me a note and said, can we just do this forever? So, um, you know, he's having fun with it. And uh, it, it's been great. And just all the people on the front lines and on the ground that are doing the dirty work, we're just keyboard warriors over here and trying to amplify it as best we can. Haley Wickenheiser joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Haley, we've talked a few times in the past, and I remember doing an interview when when you were explaining, you know, why this was going to be your your post hockey pursuit to, to to study medicine. Has it has it been what you thought it would be? How, how would you sum up the journey? I mean, I guess kind of pandemic aside, but but. Uh, you know, has the journey taken you where you thought it would so far? Yeah, you know, we like I started so Calgary's program at University of Calgary is three years, so you go eleven months of the year, and uh, you know, I started uh, the first year and a half. You're spent stuck in the classroom, which I kind of despised every moment. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> I uh, was so used to moving; it was the most unhealthy thing to do. Um, fortunately, you can podcast a lot, which is good, um, but. So that, that part of it, to be honest, I didn't really like. But in this last year, and especially getting into the clinical rotations in my last year, working with patients and people, I, I said to myself many times, like, yes, this is, I knew this is why I wanted to do it. And being in the emergency room, uh, it's the same, like a hockey team. You're under pressure. you got to think fast. Uh, there's no do-overs. Just the stakes are way higher. And uh, I find that it's all about teamwork as well. So um, I enjoy it, and I get to blend it with what I do with the Toronto Maple beliefs um you know we're still doing zoom calls and all sorts of things with the Leafs as well even though we're not on the ice and so um it's the best of both worlds i think uh one feeds the other right now for me and i've always enjoyed medicine well yeah and of course you're you're uh, in player development with the toronto maple leafs as well which is uh which is which is pretty cool uh, so is that um you know, now that we're kind of going through this and it's on a pause, can you imagine what it would be like for, I mean, the NHL players on pause, the women's world championships were canceled. All the junior kids had their seasons wiped out. Um, I mean, it's pretty, I know there are bigger issues, but it's kind of, it's kind of would have been a heartbreaking time to be a player. 
Yeah, you know, I think about like Austin Matthews at 47 goals. Like he was going to hit 50 and what a, you know, I don't know, uh, Rick Vi, that's like, what is it, 30, 40, I don't even know how many years since it's happened. And, um, you know, just, just I think about the players because I was one and I guess how much they love it, they care about it. It's your life, right? It's, you're totally consumed by it. And in the grand scheme of things, no, it, it doesn't matter. People's lives and health is more important. I think all the players recognize that. But you know, on a personal level, there's a lot of, I think, disappointment there and a lot of just anxiety about, are we going to get back? Is there going to be a season? And I, there's no one that knows that answer. <laughs> you know, I've seen it, you know, every day in medicine. There's no one that can predict how long out we're going to be. I mean, they have modeling and stuff, but I think we're in this for a longer haul. And, you know, hockey, unfortunately, has to take a backseat like so many other things. And the good thing, though, is that I think when hockey comes back, it's going to be the thing that brings a lot of joy to people because this is going to be a lot of uh, difficult times, I think. Yeah, for sure. Well, Haley, it's it's awesome to catch up with you. I know you're very busy, so thank you for coming on Inside Sports on Ched. So, again, I just want to make sure I got these organizations right if people want to try to help out. Conquer COVID-19, and what was the one in Alberta? Yeah, the one in Alberta is uh, helpingalberta.com. And okay. so, yeah, Edmonton, Calgary folks, please check out helpingalberta.com and, and do what you can. It's, uh, it's a legit organization. My med school friends and lots of great people helping that out, too. Awesome. Hey, it's great to catch up with you. Stay safe, stay healthy, and awesome work that you're doing, Haley. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks, Reed. Appreciate it. You take care. That is Haley Wickenheiser on Inside Sports tonight. So, uh, yeah, helpingalberta.com, and she's trying to, well, she put out a social media plea for personal protective equipment. That's the masks, that's the gloves, that's the gowns. Actor Ryan Reynolds got on board to helping her out, so they have been brought in a lot of stuff, but they're still looking for more. Some of her focus uh, on Alberta or pardon me, on Ontario and Quebec, as they have a, a lot of cases right now, and uh, another group, HelpingAlberta.com, doing stuff here in our province. Great to catch up with Haley. It is 7.52. It's Inside Sports on Chet. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 6.30 Chet. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. You heard from Kelly Rooney. You heard from Haley Wickenheiser, a little bit from Oilers general manager Ken Holland. Again, we uh, we hope for the best for Colby Cave, who is in a medically induced coma at Sunnybrook Hospital in Toronto. He had a colloid cyst removed from his brain after having a brain bleed overnight. He had emergency surgery today. Man, that is some uh, some tough news. We're winding her down here. Kellen, i got to get you in here for a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so WrestleMania which you are an aficionado of. It, it was over two nights, but it was all pre-taped earlier. That's right. Yeah, they spent uh, the weeks leading up to last weekend pre-taping a two-night WrestleMania. Night one went on Saturday, night two on Sunday. And who? what was the highlight match? Uh, it depends on who you talk to. My favorite match... I'm talking the, to you! Ah, thank you. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, my favorite match was the Boneyard match between AJ Styles and The Undertaker because it looked like uh, something out of The Walking Dead or a Netflix series or something along those lines. It was tremendous. And who's the WWE champion? Mr. Drew McIntyre. The, Drew the Accountant McIntyre. All right. That's awesome. Hey, thanks, buddy. <laughs> hey, no worries. <laughs> okay. Well, I got a long commute home. I got to go downstairs. Well, actually, the room I'm in is part of my house, too. 
tomorrow from 7 to 8. Inside Sports on Chat. Oh, this is cool. The play-by-play voice of the Boston Celtics. Sean Grande is going to be on the show. That'll be fun. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. Dave Cabell's the producer of Inside Sports. My name's Reed Wilkins. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.